share um, just a few thoughts with you and as a pastor who wants to share a few thoughts with you. I don't know if you know what that means or not, but um, it's a word that the Lord kind of laid on my heart specifically for today. And um, I've titled it Overflowing Love, Overflowing Love. If you have a Bible, you can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and that's where we're going to go here in just a minute. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you that you could use. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. And uh, as we talk about love today, I want you to understand that I believe Scripture teaches us that love is actually a supernatural weapon. If you understand the Scriptures, it tells us that we're at a war. And uh, that war is not with flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and spiritual forces that are at work on this earth. Uh, they are not seen with our physical eyes, but they are indeed at work. And their job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Their job is to put people into bondage and to bring confusion and chaos and ultimately death into the lives of uh, children, teenagers, adults. It doesn't matter. Um, they're not, demonic spirits are not necessarily particular and they um, will just take anyone. They're, they, they don't play fair, if you will. There are no war, there are rules in this war, if you will. And one of the weapons that we have, if you remember Paul's scripture in, in Corinthians where he says, we don't use the weapons that the world uses. We use uh, weapons that God gives us, supernatural weapons. They're stronger than the earthly weapons. And one of those, I believe, is love. And as we look through the scripture today, I hope you'll, you'll see that too recognize it and begin to allow it to grow and overflow in your life more and more and uh, we're going to use it this week as we're at Royal Family Kids Camp we're going to use it this week as you're in El Salvador uh, you're going to use it this week if you stay in Huron when you go to work and when you visit with your neighbors and wherever you go uh, this is a weapon that you need to keep in your arsenal keep handy and use uh, often and so it may be easier for us to show it this week when we're going to a camp where we've kind of prepared ourselves you know, we expect children in the foster care system to maybe not have, uh, maybe to have some rough edges and maybe not to be as polished as kids who've had a better upbringing. And so it might be easier to show love to people that we've prepared ourselves to minister to and people that maybe we recognize that they, you know, they deserve that love because they haven't had a fair shake. But for those of you that are maybe staying behind and you're going to rub shoulders with, and when we come back from camp, we'll rub shoulders with people that maybe we deem a little less deserving of that love. Maybe then it'll be a little more difficult to take these words and put them into practice, but they're just as important in our daily lives as they will be in this week ahead. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica writes these words, starting in verse 11, may God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows may he as a result make your heart strong blameless and holy as you stand before god our father when our lord jesus comes again with all his holy people amen now he's not praying if you i mean maybe he is he's asking the lord but uh, the word amen just means so be it let this be done. And so when we say amen at the end of prayer, or you say amen when I say something, or when someone else says something, you're just saying so be it. You're in agreement with that. And so that's what the Apostle Paul's saying. And so as we look at these verses, I want to look at three things. Um, I want us to learn to ask God this prayer request, that our love would grow and overflow. 
Because I believe the only way our love will grow and overflow is if we ask God to do it. The second thing is I want us to learn to allow his love to overflow to others, all people. And then third, I want to kind of reflect on the results that Paul gives us, maybe expand on that a little bit. And so let's start with this idea. When Paul says, may the Lord make your love grow and overflow, um, he's praying that for them, or he's, that's his request that, the God, that God would do that in their lives. That's my request for all of us. That should be your request for yourself, that God would cause his love to grow and overflow in our lives. And the word love that Paul uses here is the Greek word agape. If you know much about Bible and you've studied it at all, you know that there are three Greek words for love. There's not just one word for love. There's the Greek word phileo. Phileo means affectionate, brotherly love. You know, you have a friend and you love them with affection. That's, a, that's that kind of love. Eros is a sexual type of love that is used often in Greek literature, not so much in the scripture. And then the word agape. And the word agape is a selfless, active kind of love. Agape has to be seen. It's always an action type of thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 describes it as patient, kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude, doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable, it doesn't keep record of wrongs, it never gives up, it never loses faith, it's always hopeful, it endures through every circumstance. And so it's an active type of thing. But that does not mean that agape love is void of affection or void of emotion. Uh, it's just not bound to it, if that makes sense. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them and pray that God will bless them. And so he uses this word love in an active way as he should, but he also combines it with, with affection, with feeling. And so this isn't just a robot type of love that I'm going to love you because I have to, because the Lord's telling me to. Although at times our love will have no feeling attached to it. We will love someone and not want to love them, not feel like loving them, have no affection toward it at all. But what happens is, as we agape others, as God causes our love to grow and overflow and we start acting on it, then God causes the affection to come along. If you just wait for the affection before you love, you won't love very many people. You certainly won't love your enemies. As he says right here, bless those who persecute you, don't curse them. If we wait for those emotions, it's not going to happen. And so we've got to pray and say, God, uh, bring your love into our hearts because this agape love only comes from God. It's clear to us in the scripture from Romans chapter five, verse five, we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we put our faith in Christ, when we turn from our sin, as the Bible says, we repent, and we put our faith in what Christ did for us, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and brings God's love to us. You cannot have God's love in your life apart from faith in Christ. He brings it. He makes it grow. 
That's why we're asking him, cause your love to grow, cause your love to overflow in our lives. We might be able to do nice things for people. We might be able to do good things for people. We might be able to to produce actions that look like agape love, but they have no supernatural power to be effective without faith in Christ. Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey do good things for people. And people tear up and there's, there's love and it's just, it's, it's, it's nice and it causes emotion, but there's no supernatural power connected to it to transform anyone's life. Because only through the cross, only through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit can love actually flow out of our lives. But here's the thing, if you look at it with your natural eyes, it'll look just the same. The love that they express and the love that we express many times looks very similar. The actions are very similar. But there's no supernatural power behind it to work in the lives of the people that are being loved. And that's why we call on the Lord. That's why we ask him. 1 John 4, 19. We love each other because he loved us first. And so we say, God, bring that love into our lives, but then cause it to grow and overflow. This isn't just a one-time deal. It's not like when you got saved, you got all the, well, you did get all of the Holy Spirit that there is, and you did get all of the love, but it still needs to grow in us. It needs to be worked out, if you will, and then begin to overflow. Paul is not telling this church, you guys really need to work on your love. You know, you've got some issues. I mean, he did that to the Corinthian church, remember? His letter to them maybe wasn't so nice, but the Thessalonians, if you read these letters, he praises them a lot. This is a good, solid church. And so when he says to them in in chapter four, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. We don't need to do this. God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, We urge you to love them even more. See, what Paul is saying is none of us ever gets to the point where we've arrived in this area of love. Our love needs to grow and overflow more and more. No matter how much love we've shown in the past, it can still grow. No matter who we've shown love to, there are people in our lives we're not showing love to. Where maybe we're avoiding them on purpose, or maybe we're avoiding them because we don't see them or we don't deem them worthy of the love of the Father. For whatever reason, it needs to continue to grow. And so he pairs two words together in 1 Thessalonians chapter three. He says, I want your love to grow. And that literally means to increase, get bigger, uh, grow. But then he pairs it with another word that in this translation, it says to overflow, but it means to be abundant, plentiful, or more than enough. So what Paul is saying is, I want God's love to be excessive in your life. Remember when he said to the Romans, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. If you're gonna be excessive in anything you do, be excessive in the love that you display towards others. That's what Paul wants from our lives. Not that we're just filled with God's love, but that his love grows to the point of overflowing in our lives. In fact, we could almost say that the test of how full we are of God's love is the extent of how much it overflows to touch others in our lives. Maybe that's the true test. Jesus kind of said it this way in Matthew chapter 22 when he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and all your strength, all of the, it, this is great. But then he ties it together with this. 
an equally important commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you know, you, guys, you say you love God, but if it's not being shown in your love for one another, that's not really, you're not really loving God. And your love for God grows as your, your horizontal love for others begins to grow and expand out beyond you. And I'm here to tell you that the only way that that's possible is through that. There's not a one of us in this room, no matter how cleaned up and nice we look today, we combed our hair, we look good, we've got these nice red shirts on, we look good, but we're all wretched, we're all selfish, we're all full of junk. And that love that God puts in our hearts transforms us and gives us the ability to let that love flow out of our lives and make a difference in the lives of others. But there's the second thing. Not only do we need to pray for it to happen, we need to allow it to happen. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, God, please let your love grow and overflow in our lives, but we refuse to cooperate with your Holy Spirit to allow that to happen. Or worse yet, we pray something. I mean, none of us would ever do that, but there are other Christians outside these doors where they pray and ask God to do something, but then they sabotage their own prayers with how they live their lives. They pray, God, let your love grow and overflow in my life. And then when they go home, they focus on all the flaws and all the mistakes and all the things that have bothered us about people that we've encountered throughout the day. God, make your love overflow in my life. Man, that person really irritated me today. And we don't, here's the thing, we don't recognize we're even doing it. We don't realize that we're, we're asking God to do something but then holding him back. Remember, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, you hold back the love of the Father. It's not that God can't forgive you. You won't let him. Because with your life, you're holding him back. You're refusing to receive his forgiveness because you're refusing to let his forgiveness flow out of you. Or we get offended with others, and instead of just letting it roll off our backs, we hold on to it. Now, I wish I could sit here today and just say, you should all be more like me in this area. But I find myself in that same thing, praying, God, let your love grow in my heart and then sitting and meditating on the things that other people have done to me and how I've been hurt and how I've been wronged and how that person never even apologized to me. And I'm sabotaging what God wants to do and I'm not allowing his love to flow out of my life. First Corinthians says, love believes the best. Love always trusts. Love never gives up. So we have to not only ask for God to do it, but we have to start allowing him to do it. We have to start releasing it by faith. In other words, you can't wait for the emotion to come. You can't wait to feel led to love somebody. The Bible does not say when you feel led to love someone, love someone. It says love all people. Actively do things to bless, be kind to, be generous to people, even your enemies. I mean, Jesus said if you want to be perfect, like your Father in heaven is perfect, love people that don't deserve it. Love your enemies. We were his enemies, and he loved us. <laughs> Thank goodness he didn't wait for the emotion to demonstrate his love for us. Or none of us would sit in this room today. But he demonstrated his love for us in sending his son. First John chapter 3 says it this way. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show we belong to the truth. See what this is saying? Now, here's the thing. You and I do not possess probably the resources to love practically every single person that we come across that needs love. We don't have the time. We're all limited. There's 24 hours in a day. You do need to sleep. You do need to eat. You need to be with your family. You do need to go to work. There are things that we have responsibilities of. You're limited in your resources. Uh, generally in America, we think things that are needs are not needs. You know, internet is not a need. Cable TV is not a need. But we, we say these things, and, but our, our resources are limited. So we can't do it. So what John says is, if you see a need, but you, and you have the means to, to meet it, but you do nothing, you can't claim God's love's in you. In other words, it's possible for you to do something, but you, you don't. God's love needs to grow and overflow in your life. That's what he's saying. Now, I don't know any of us in this room that couldn't think back to maybe a time in the last even couple weeks where we probably had an opportunity to love someone and we didn't. If you don't think you saw a need in the last few weeks that you had an opportunity to love someone and missed, you probably need to slow down because you're living life a little too hurried. Because I promise you, every day we are surrounded by need. More need than you and I can respond to, possibly. And there are needs that probably each of us have missed. And we need to open our hearts and begin to release God's love. Don't wait for the emotion. Don't wait for the feeling. Don't wait for the, the leading. If you can do it, do it. Look what James says. Brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, can that faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. And so it's meeting a need that you can meet. Sometimes it's just being kind to someone who's unkind to you. It doesn't cost you anything except maybe a little bit of pride and swallowing a little hard. Oh, but I know that person didn't deserve it because they should know better. They've been raised in the church. They're supposed to be a good Christian. Hey, they're even a pastor. They're in the ministry. They shouldn't have treated me that way. I mean, when you stop for a minute, when the, when the scripture says, God, be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, there is not one of us on this planet that deserved what he did for us. And when we come to that recollection, when we come to that recognition, we can't hold anything against anyone because we realize how much he's done for us. We give to others what's needed, not what's convenient. We give to others what's needed not what we want to receive. Did you ever give someone a present that you wanted, but they didn't receive it because they didn't want it? I mean, in order to know what's needed, do you know what we have to do? We have to be involved in the lives of people. We, we love to stand back and observe people's lives and think we know what they need. We don't always know. You want to know what people need. Sometimes you have to get involved in their lives 
and allow the Holy Spirit to show you what's really needed in that situation. And it may not be your first impulse. It may be something else. And so what James and what John are asking us to do is to be more intentional in how we live our lives. Slow down, stop, observe what's going on around us, observe what's going on in people's lives. Be quiet every once in a while and listen to what other people are saying so that we can hear the needs that are, are there and exist and we can meet those needs if we have the means. I don't know about you, but if I had this amazing supernatural great love I would protect it and keep it nice and maybe treasure it but God puts it in imperfect vessels you and me he puts this perfect amazing love in us and here's the thing as we try to work this out and make it perfect in our lives we don't do it very well all the time and so we have to have grace for one another and we have to love others as God's love is being perfected in their lives. That's all part of allowing God to do that. The, the last thing that Paul says here, he says, as a result of this, as a result of God's love growing and overflowing in your lives, this is what happens. God makes your heart strong, blameless, and holy. That's an interesting phrase because what happens is it seems like that as we let God's love grow and overflow out of our life, it actually completes our salvation, if you will. It actually makes us perfect, holy, blameless. I mean, the disciplines of faith are important. It's good that we read the Bible. It's good that we pray. It's good that we go to church. It's good that we worship God. It's good that we have a relationship with him. But it's almost like what Paul is saying is, you know, those things are necessary. That's how we receive God's love. That's how it begins to grow. But as it overflows in our lives, that's actually how it, it puts down roots in us. I mean, that nagging habit, maybe you can put down some roots and get rid of that thing in your life by letting God's love begin to overflow out of you. When we allow God's love to throw, flow through our lives, it dethrones self, selfishness. It submits ourselves to God and it causes supernatural things, I believe, to happen in our lives. As we resist the urge to do what our flesh wants to do and we let the love of God flow out of our lives, I believe supernaturally it works in our lives to produce holiness, to produce what Paul says here it produces in our lives. I think it goes beyond that. I think it works in the lives of those that we express it to. As I talked to you earlier about Ephesians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and these weapons that God has given us. And I know that there's no scripture that I can point to that says love is one of these supernatural weapons. But there are so many scriptures that speak to love going into people's lives and transforming them and changing them. And I believe it's one of these weapons. One of these passages is Romans chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul speaking to the Romans church says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. The scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Love them. If, you're, if they're thirsty, still your enemies. Give them something to drink, love. 
In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. How do we, do, how do we conquer evil? How do we take someone whose lives they, they are blinded by the God of this age and open their eyes to be able to recognize the truth of who God is, love. Love. I know that we get confused sometimes by this heaping burning coals of shame on their heads and we think, well, I'll show them, I'll get even with them, I'll just make them feel guilty. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is when you respond in love to someone who has done something evil to you, what you do is you disarm the spiritual forces that are at work we do not wrestle with flesh and blood enemies and so for every person who mistreats you there's a spirit at work behind the behavior and if you want to combat that behavior and change that behavior you need to disarm the spirit before you do anything with the behavior how many people fall back into the same patterns and the same habits? Jesus said it this way. You know, if you set that, that person free from that demonic influence, those, that demon spirit is going to wander, find seven other spirits and come back and make that condition worse if the house is not occupied. So how do we disarm that spirit? Love. Not paying back evil with evil. It destroys those strongholds. There's an interesting verse that Pastor John alluded to in his prayer. John chapter 13, when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. But here's the question I have. If the world is blinded by the God of this age and they are not even accepting the love of the Father, how are they gonna know that we're God's disciples by our love? Could it possibly be that love, the love we show for one another and the love that we show for them actually disarms the spiritual forces that blinds them to the God that they have rejected and causes them to see? I believe it does. I believe God's love is that powerful and that strong. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say your, your, your ministries, your sound doctrine, your evangelism projects. This will prove to the world that you're, I mean, those things are important. The scripture says sound doctrine is important. The scripture says that outreach and ministry are important, but it says we're gonna be known by our love. In fact, Paul says you can know everything. You can have all that you want to have. You can do miracles. You can have power. You can know every scripture. You can speak in every known and unknown language. But if you don't have love, you got nothing. He even says you can give your body to be burned at the stake. You can sell all your possessions and give to the poor. But without agape, it's nothing. There's no supernatural element attached to it to make a difference in anyone's lives. I mean, the money you give to the poor will make a difference for a short time, but it won't bring transformation. It's the love of God that transforms lives. And when we come together in moments like this from different churches and different denominations, and we come together because we see children drowning in a pool and they need to be rescued. And we say, you know what? We don't believe everything the same. We don't do everything the same. But you know what? We both believe those children need to be rescued. So let's put some stuff down and let's decide to just rescue a few. That will have the power to change an entire community 
Now, I wish I could tell you that when we came back from camp, this entire community would be changed by the power of that love. But that's not how it works. It doesn't happen overnight. I know that we like to go to McDonald's and get our food in 30 minutes, but that's not going to happen. And so this is what I leave you with this word of encouragement. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Our world is just crazy chaos right now. And as we sang that song at the beginning of service, um, uh, whichever one it was, um, you rule the world with truth and justice. Can I tell you something? Our world looks like it's in chaos, but I promise you this, he rules with truth and justice. It's, that's the truth. Don't be, don't be swayed emotionally by the junk you see on TV or read on Facebook or wherever else you get your news from. He rules with truth and justice. And he rules through us. And so as we establish truth and justice, as we let his love flow out of our lives, it may not happen overnight. But if we keep doing what is good, and we're, gonna, we're obviously going to get tired of doing it. But if we don't give up, we will see a harvest. This week, as you minister at camp, as you minister in El Salvador, as you go about your daily lives right here in Huron and the surrounding communities, I pray that you would ask God for his love to grow and overflow in your lives. That as we leave camp and as we get back into our normal routines, that this is something that begins to change everything. That this begins to change not only our lives, but the lives of every person in this community. I pray that we can continue to lay down uh, the things that divide us and separate us and let love shine through our lives so that this community can come to know that we are his disciples by the love that we have for one another. I pray that this becomes a lifestyle for us more and more. That's my prayer for you today. And so I want to invite you to stand with me as we get ready to to close out the service today i want to pray one final prayer of blessing over each and every one of us today asking as the apostle paul asked that that love would grow that it would overflow in our lives and that his kingdom would be established and built in this community and elsewhere because of the things that he's going to do in us and so father i thank you today again for the love that you demonstrated for us you, when we were your enemy, sent your son to this earth to demonstrate your love for us. He took our punishment. He took our shame. He took our guilt. And as we've put our faith in him, you've deposited within us the best that you have. You've sent your spirit to live inside of us, to bring that supernatural love to our lives. That love that every day we come to know more and more and we receive, we receive your grace, we receive your mercy because we know that we're imperfect and even as we work out this salvation in our lives, God, we, we so are overwhelmed by that grace that you give to us. I pray that the love that you've deposited in our lives would grow and overflow more and more. Father, I pray that we would not be content to just allow our love for you to grow and expand. But God, that we would allow that love to spill out 
into others' lives. That we would recognize the warfare that's going on around us. That the enemy is trying to bring bitterness, that bitter root that wants to try to spring up and defile many. That he's trying to bring uh, jealousy and envy and strife. Now that we would recognize those things. And that we would not be overcome by evil, but that we would overcome evil with good. And we would allow your love to so fill our lives that everywhere we go, it flows out of us. And although we can't maybe recognize with our natural eyes the things that are taking place in spiritual realms and the forces that are being destroyed and demolished, God, we express your love knowing that your love has a supernatural change agent attached to it. And we don't do good in our name. We do it in your name. God, we love them because of the value you've placed on them. And so help us not to be weary in this fight. Help us to continue to be faithful, to do good to others, so that we indeed will reap a harvest of blessing because we haven't given up. Seal these things in our hearts today, I pray. I pray again for those going to camp this week, those going to El Salvador this week, God, that this love would grow and overflow in their hearts more and more in this week ahead. For those that will, will just be in this city, God, going about their daily routine, may they understand the importance of allowing your love to grow and overflow in their lives just as much as those that are going to other places in this week ahead. Seal these things in our hearts. Transform us by your love. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.